Welcome to Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Lucy Cecil. And I'm Olivia Taylor. Olivia, how are you this week? What have you been up to? Oh, well, Lucy, it has been another day. I have been trudging into the city centre, into the Arndale, which, as we know, is a metropolis of activity. And um, it was quite stressful, but I'm back. I have um, hair dried my whole body because I got caught in a rainstorm and I'm very excited to be here with you again this evening. Oh, absolutely. It's so stunning to see you as always. Um, I personally am very pleased because I spent the last few days absolutely luxuriating in my new desk chair, which means I can stop complaining about my back hurting. Look, this is 30 if we ever if we ever knew it. So I'm, I'm very pleased for you. Um, it, it's very it's very key that you're getting the lumbar support that you need at this time. Absolutely. Love to feel supported during um, the 30th year of my life. Well, this is actually um, a very special week. As we mentioned um, on last week's episode, we're really excited to introduce a special guest to the podcast today. So author Laura Kay is joining us to talk about her debut novel, The Split. Um, Laura has written for The Guardian and Diva and like the main character in her book, spent her formative years in Sheffield, which I think we can all agree is one of the best cities in the actual world. So Laura, massive welcome to Queer Longing. We're very thrilled to have you joining us this week. Thank you. I'm very thrilled to be here. <laughs> so um, when was the last time you were in Sheffield? That's my biggest question that I've got for you because this book is just so steeped in Sheffield and it's almost like an extra character. So I was wondering when was the last time you visited the City of Steel? Right. I was in Sheffield this past summer for a couple of days. Um, we, we moved out of Sheffield about six years ago seven years ago and um but we still have loads of friends that live there so we're up there a lot we visit a lot when we're legally allowed to yeah of course I think that's the case <laughs> with Sheffield I feel like everyone who uh has been part of Sheffield ever lived in Sheffield still has lots of friends who live in Sheffield because there's always some people who can't be kept away from Sheffield and I love that personally because it means we can always go and visit and have people to visit and it's such a great city what a place on this planet it's the best isn't it I think I read somewhere that it has the highest percentage of people that stay on after uni which like doesn't surprise me at all like because it is really hard to leave that's what happened with me like when I finished uni I just was like well where else is there to go like it's yeah it's the best I miss it all the time oh I think that should be my longing for this week just longing to be back in Sheffield to be honest <laughs> that's oh, a really yeah. good one that is a good one so speaking of livings and longings for Laura Kay what are you living for this week Okay, so as you know, I have done my prep. So up until about 10 minutes ago, I was going to say that I am living for a book that I just finished reading called Detransition Baby, which I loved and has minutes ago just been nominated for the Women's Prize. But, which I, so I am still living for it, but it has been overtaken by the news that there's going to be a Selling Sunset season four. <gasps> Is there? <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've been teasing it for like a year yeah this is great news yeah so I just saw that on Christine Quinn's Instagram and it's made my day so wow yeah. this is brilliant um I've met I have mentioned this on the podcast before but Christine Quinn not to brag has liked one of my tweets <gasps> what tw what did you say 
Um, oh, it was just something about how much I'm in love with her because oh, yeah. I am. So um, <laughs> obviously amazing. she agreed with it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that yeah. is absolutely perfect living for um I love a living for that you think it's going to be a living for where you're living for and then all of a sudden it swaps because something takes over but Detransition Baby is a book I am so eager to read haven't got around to it yet but literally have heard nothing but praise for that book so I'm definitely looking forward to reading that at some point yeah it's um, it is so good like I raced through it and it is not a short book like it's a lot of words on every page and I thought it was going to take me forever and I just I couldn't put it down it's so gripping so cleverly written so funny um yeah recommend that sounds great so Olivia what are you living for well this week Lucy I am living for so it's been all over the internet um since yesterday and I do love to have some kind of connection with a viral a viral meme and I've been loving all of the memes and content around the Adam Driver Lady Gaga Gucci collaboration so I'm sure you've all seen this they look absolutely stunning they are the one true pairing that we did not know that we needed but we absolutely do need and I have to say that I'm completely living for it and all of its um all of its kind of partnered um memes that have gone along with it I've been enjoying it very much yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. My um, longing for was actually going to be, and I'll just say it now because I might as well, is for the film of House of Gucci to come out because if that's what we're working with, then a, pff, like a full feature length film about those two, cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. I'm very cannot wait and what is your living what is your living for Lucy ah right so I am living for this week uh, I'm struggling to think of one and then all of a sudden I noticed in my um Instagram <laughs> my Instagram inbox my into my DMs I had a request and I was like oh not another request let's have a look and it was right so basically this is the fourth time I've been messaged by BBC Three's hot property the hot new dating show absolutely desperate for me to take part in their show <laughs> I've had four messages over the past like year or so, uh, maybe two years, like obviously last year uh, was not really a thing, but um, yeah, four times they have tried to get me on this show and I'm living for the idea of um, feeling wanted because that's nice, isn't it? During a pandemic, but, <laughs> but uh, will I be going on the show? Absolutely not. <laughs> what is the show like what's the concept of the show so so the concept of the show it's very it's exactly as you might imagine a bbc three dating show to be it is the idea is that you get judged on your so some uh, i think three people will come into your bedroom and they will see your bedroom they won't meet you they so it's anonymous i suppose it's like a blind date via your bedroom and then they decide if the, who they want to date by going into somebody's bedroom which is like my worst nightmare so <laughs> um i absolutely will not be taking part but i'm very very blessed and grateful to be considered so that is what i am living and longing for what are you longing for laura k um this was a tougher one because i keep longing for stuff and then um sort of it gets taken away um so but I I'm deciding to long for um the Eurovision Song Contest which is the weekend after we're meant to all be allowed to be inside um which means that I can watch it with my friends we normally watch it every year um together we travel around we've been to Lisbon to go and see it in Lisbon we have gone my friend who lives in Stockholm we've gone to hers and watched it there and um yeah so that's all I want is to be able to sit in a living room with my friends and watch Eurovision and it feels possible so that's what I'm longing for 
That's a great longing for. Did you watch the Eurovision movie that was on Netflix earlier this year? What did yeah, you think I of that? I loved it. I, I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they did it with so much love. Like there was like, I feel like they really got Eurovision and like the kind of people that go to Eurovision and are obsessed with it. Um, yeah. It was perfect. Yeah, I love Demi Lovato's cameo. That just really tipped it over the edge into something very special. It was so, so good. God, I, I really want to rewatch that. I've not actually seen that, so I need to, you know, buck up my ideas and get watching. So good, so good. <laughs> I think it's to do with my my Will Ferrell um, aversion. Uh, so, but yeah, but he's he's not the same in this. It's okay. not the same. It it it, okay. it lives outside of those margins. So please don't mug yourself off and watch it. <laughs> I absolutely will stop mugging myself off and I will watch the Eurovision movie because we are, as we have said before on this podcast, massive Eurovision fans. We also usually watch together as a, as a friendship group and it has been, uh, uh, it was very much missed uh, last year. We did do a sort of Zoom version of events, but um, it wasn't the same thing. And yeah, I, I long for that as well. And I really, really hope that we can all do that because uh, uh, it's such a missed uh, item in the calendar. So yeah, that's a really good longing for. Um, Liv, what are you longing for this week? Well, I'm longing to be reunited with my phone. So um, I haven't had a phone since Sunday and I am, to put it mildly, bereft, absolutely bereft. And I don't want to be one of those people that needs to be with their phone all the time, but I am. And um, I did think that it was lost forever, but after um, a stressful experience in the Arndale Centre and with Apple, I am restoring it very slowly at the moment. So it's telling me that I have an hour left and then I'll be reunited with my WhatsApp groups. It's a very exciting time. <laughs> that is a perfectly reasonable thing to long for especially at a time like this when everything uh you know all social events are basically via your phone or your laptop so absolutely important that you get re re in re i was gonna say re reinvigorated with your phone which i, do, I don't know why but it's been a long day <laughs> it, it will be it will be reinvigorating so don't worry you're right on what are you longing for this week lucy to top us off for our um, well, no, I, I, I'm longing for the for the House of Gucci film, which I did mention before. So uh, that's 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 my longing for. Um, no, nothing else I can long for at all, apart from that, until it happens. So <laughs> that's my longing for. So let's get to the main uh, point at hand. So, Laura, your book, The Split, um, which is due out um, tomorrow uh, when this podcast comes out. So could you give us a brief little introduction, the elevator pitch of the book? How would you set up people to this book? So it is about a woman called Ali who is dumped by her girlfriend, moves back to Sheffield to live with her dad um, and is reunited with her friend from childhood who is equally miserable also dumped and they decide to run the Sheffield half marathon together in order to sort of get the attention of their exes um but she has also stolen the cat of her girlfriend um which sort of like weaves its way throughout the book yeah, the cardinal sin of cat stealing. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people will be quite triggered by that as, as a notion because, you know, once you have a shared cat, it's very difficult to, to undo these things, isn't it? But um, we we um, absolutely loved the book and it was so nice to um, to kind of ride along with Ali's um, journey through um, 
when we when we see her at the beginning of the book she's in a very different place to where we to where we find her at the end and I, I wanted to know was this book was this kind of story about someone who um, experiences this breakup and is kind of down at heel at quite a pivotal point in her life and a pivotal kind of age and moment in time was this a book that you always knew that you wanted to write or where did the idea kind of spring from initially? So I think I didn't know necessarily that this was going to be the book, but I had the characters first. So I had Ali and Jeremy in my head, um, just like messing about being silly, which they do throughout the book. And then the story sort of formed around them. But I think because of when I was writing it, so I'm 31 now. So I was right. I've been writing this book since I was probably 28. Um, and it's a really like, transitional stage like you've it, you're moving out of the like where the tw your 20s where you don't have to like really well you're not meant to have to worry about anything and like you can be like going out all the time and this and that and then suddenly you're moving into this thing of like well if I've been in this relationship with someone for x amount of years now I'm nearly 30 are we going to get married or are we going to break up or are we going to have kids? Are we going to buy a house? Are we going to like, all of these things suddenly are very important. And I think when things don't quite go as you expected them to, or, or the rug gets pulled out from under your feet at that time, it's like, uh, it's especially difficult. And so, yeah, that was all sort of playing around in my head at the same time as I came up with those characters. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, uh, it, it really uh, spoke to me in a way that uh, I, I could recognize those sort of like um, uh, life changes happening and how that can really throw you and how especially if you come to that, if you, if, especially I think it was, this was reflected in Ali and the idea that you you think your life is going a certain way um, and you very much feel like it's mapped out and you're like, oh, yes, this is what I'm doing. I'm in this relationship, blah, 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 sort of keep going. And then all of a sudden, like you say, rug pulled from under her feet and she sort of is like, oh, I didn't see this coming at all. What what could what do I do? It's like an absolutely up in the air. Um, and then, of course, uh, making the the move of going back to sort of what you do know um, and and restarting from there, which um, I think is uh, something that a lot of people can really relate to. Um, and yeah, I I, uh, I saw myself a lot in um, quite in, in Ali for some of some of the reasons. I I went through like a big breakup, a similar age, um, and like it is that whole thing of what do I do now? Where am I? Who am I? And then all of a sudden, it brings into focus like asking lots of questions about everything that you're doing you know like with her job you know she uh, doesn't want to be a teacher anymore etc like what does she want to do and all of that so um no I thought it was incredibly relatable uh writing so um yeah thank you for that it was uh, I really in enjoyed uh being able to sort of in a way live vicariously through her her growth which uh is really nice to see yeah, and I think what, what was also really important is um, not only does it explore this through the eyes of queer characters, which is really refreshing and just not absolutely not done enough, but I think that when we meet Ali at the beginning and she's going back to live with her dad in Sheffield, she has no job, no money, feels like she doesn't have a future, or at least that future is really uncertain. I think that a lot of these books kind of about finding yourself and going on a kind of journey of self-discovery, you know, you've got your eat, pray, loves and your wilds where they go on these big physical journeys and um you know they learn loads of things about themselves um through through that medium but for most of us we're just you know 
going back to our dad's two up two down in Sheffield and you know it's a bit it's a bit shit to be honest and we're hanging out with our friend who's also a bit depressed and that is the reality for most of us so I think you know thank you for writing that because so many people will will see themselves in in those characters and you know we can't all go to Bali (laughs) yeah some of us end up in Sheffield I think that's a really interesting point though about um like wild and eat pray love but like especially wild because like the physical challenge of it um and like it was really the physical stuff came to me just because I I mean I was running a lot at the time and I also knew that writing about running could be really funny um because they're such unfit characters and like you know um I really didn't want the physical stuff to be something that transformed them like I I, that was like so important to me I didn't want it to be this transformative and then I discovered running and then my body changed along with my mind like there's there's nothing wrong with that but like that is just not for me and certainly not for these characters um so yeah I love that you picked up on that and I I think that the true um the true love story that we that we see in this book is really between Ali and Jeremy. Jeremy is such a lovely character and I kind of I keep thinking about where those characters are going to are going to end up in the future and I wondered where you would see Ali in you know 10 years time and would you ever return to these characters again in your work you know what is Ali doing when she's 40 what's Jeremy doing does he become a teacher do they get where they need to go I mean what is that what's that path for these characters have you kind of thought beyond the end of the book to follow them a bit further along honestly no um and but that is really interesting that you bring that up because so many people have said to me are you going to do a part two are you going to write a sequel for Ali and Jeremy and I hadn't thought that I was going to like I have written my second book and it's completely separate it's completely about something else entirely um but I would maybe revisit them because I love them and I loved writing them and I'm very fond of them and I want to see them thrive I hope I would hope (laughs) that Ali is independent like I would love to see her not necessarily in a relationship or like in a very different relationship to the one that she was in I feel like there's room for that growth yeah absolutely no definitely um and I think uh yeah speaking about their friendship one of of the my favorite things about the book is is the way that it does explore the sort of like idea of like queer family and how important that is I think we we always talk about that on the podcast and how much we love to see depictions of queer family and how uh that can really having like a good queer family can really bring you out of like your lowest moments um, and really help you thrive um, as as an individual. So um, uh, yeah, I think you did a great job of doing that. I really enjoyed their friendship um, the most. And it's interesting that you said that like those characters were where the book sort of came from. You can really see that because they really shine as like the, the main beacons within the story. So um, yeah, no, absolutely loved them. Um, uh, but but um, aside from that, uh, I do have to say that one of our absolute highlights of the book, which <laughs> I'm sure you won't be surprised, and I was thrilled was part of it, was when so it got to <laughs> when it got to the chapter which is entitled, is it Sheffield's Premier Gay Establishment? Yes, yes. And, 
we were like <laughs> I was like oh my god what what is she called Dempsey's what has she called Dempsey's what's it gonna be and when it was Tom's I just thought that was brilliant such a good well I assume it is Dempsey's right yeah of course <laughs> yeah. of course <laughs> yeah imagine if sticky it was sticky floors very dangerous to be inside yes yeah Absolutely. I loved that that was included in the book. It made me feel so like I'm I'm nostalgic for Dempsey's at the best of times. But um, so it was uh, it was it was so great to see that in 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 like a book and to live feel like it was really there. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, did you did you make any trips to Dempsey's as research? Did you uh, make sure that you really took in the atmosphere to to write out the book? (laughs) So I think I've done enough trip to Dempsey's in my life <laughs> um, to count as research for this book. I certainly didn't need to do any extra research. Um, I have had some times and some experiences there that will carry me through for probably the rest of my life. But um, I would love to go back um, because I, I would love to do some kind of like book party there. Can you imagine? Yeah, I know. And Sorry, that's we're, the we're first time I've said that out loud, and I'm like, okay, I'm, now I'm manifesting it. We've got really the exclusive. Good. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> so good, wouldn't it? I I loved writing about Dempsey's because I'm so I have so much love for that place. I've had so 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 much fun there. Like from the time where I found in the queue for Dempsey's one time, um, the the person, the security person was like to me have you got your membership card and I was like no I don't have a membership card and my friend was like and pulled it out of my purse and it was my picture on it my name everything and I had been so drunk the last time I went I had no memory whatsoever of getting this membership card and I just really feel like that like summed it up you know I was like thrilled to have it <laughs> I was happy it was there but I didn't remember it um God, t- Tony almost didn't let you in that would have been awful I know close call um so yeah it, it was so much fun to write about and I love that you loved it because I think that anyone well most people who have lived in Sheffield but especially queer people who've lived in Sheffield it's like such a special place you know Absolutely. I mean, aside from just being like a, you know, one of the only sort of true safe spaces in the city, it is like just such a, uh, uh, I don't know, I think anyone who like went to uni, um, particularly um, at like a formative or was at alpha formative age in Sheffield, and especially as a queer person, like Dempsey's is your is your beacon of hope. I I, um, I owe a lot to Dempsey's, I'm <laughs> saying a lot, but I really do. I, I love it like so much. Like it, it's very important to me as a place and I would be absolutely devastated if it ever got shut down or had to close for any reason. So I intend to um, go there many, many times once we're allowed to, just to make sure it, it stays afloat. <laughs> just to personally keep it afloat. <laughs> I think it's important. It's an important part of the queer community. <laughs> it is. It is very important. Yeah. And like so many other queer places in Sheffield have, have closed. Like, I, I mean, it's just almost like they, they just are open for like six months and then they go under. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. Like, I remember, I can't remember what it's called now, but like th- there was like two bars around West Street, maybe on Division Street. Around, yeah. And it was just, uh, it's just rubbish. And then the, what was the pub? There was a pub. Lion, lion, lion's lair. Is that called the lion, the white? Yeah, lion's lair, lion's, lion's lair. lair. And then there was yeah. queer junction and queer junction. Oh, rubbish! It's so <laughs> it's, it's so sad. So yeah, let's hope Dempsey's doesn't go the same way. Well, we were actually having a conversation about this. I think maybe last week or the week before, and we were wondering, post pandemic, do you think that 
people will be making an effort to go out to those queer spaces because I think that people I mean certainly our group of friends have all been kind of lamenting that loss in our lives and obviously kind of early maybe to mid noughties we saw a steep decline because there was like online dating and um, dating apps came in and people didn't kind of frequent those spaces in the same way but I felt like in the last couple of years they're starting to sort of pop back up again so do you think that 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 will be the case and will be kind of um all out there in force I really hope so I really hope so I mean that's the feeling I get at the moment that people feel quite like galvanized to go out and like save spaces but I suppose it depends in reality what that looks like like we are all going to be a bit weird (laughs) once this is over and like being in those spaces might feel different to how it used to and I guess there's like a lot of hurdles to overcome but I, I think the um like that's what people want like people are wanting to save these spaces like the when um Manchester Pride and London Pride and everywhere said that they were going to do it this year like there was so much like this huge like outpouring a feeling about it like because it was so missed last year so hopefully that carries on yeah absolutely yeah. I think it, I think it will I think um more than anything like for, for me I you know selfishly I want to go out and like you know party obviously like I would love to do that but also I think for me it's like really important that we support the spaces so that they stay open for like future generations and stuff so that so that like Dempsey's is there for people who are at uni now and people who are at uni in five years and stuff like that and it's really like important to support those places but like you say it does depend on how what that looks like when we do get out of this and also like how much everyone can afford to go and do stuff like that it just depends what your personal circumstances but um I know that like basically every queer person I've spoken to is absolutely gung-ho for like making sure they support everywhere and get back out there so I I hope it will be a nice uh flurry of activity for for a lot of places after when when you know we say when this is over whatever that means yeah yeah and talking of kind of um, music venues and clubs and nightlife we wondered if this was the time that you would like to tell us what your track of the week is. I mean, obviously it is an absolute travesty that we haven't been out to the clubs to dance to the whole of Chromatica from start to finish, but that is a different story for another day. Um, But yeah, is there a particular song or artist that you have been enjoying this week? So this week, I, this is like very tragic and nerdy, but I feel like maybe based on our earlier conversation, you're going to get it. Um, So Obviously, all the countries are releasing their Eurovision tracks. Um, and San Marino, who are always my favourite in Eurovision, is such a banger! Yes! So, I can't remember. It's like someone with Flowrider. Are you an- joking? Actual no, Flowrider? Literal Flowrider. And they are now, like, um, in, like, the odds are that they're in, like, the top ten. San Marino. <gasps> it's I'm, an I'm so pleased. banger. Yeah, because one of our favourite um, Eurovision songs of all time, which wasn't actually allowed into the fi- final, um, whatever it's called, like the actual yeah. final bit, is San Marino's Facebook song, which I assume you know. I do know. Yes, oh, of course. My, I just love San Marino. When have they done a bad entry? Never. 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 It, could, it could never be San Marino. It could not. Like last year for my birthday, which was in lockdown, um, all of my friends um did a music video to San Marino's 2018 entry um oh my god the name of which I can't 
remember now anyway it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen and my love for them runs so deep and I really like imagine San Marino winning where would they even hold Eurovision doesn't matter oh just just the whole country would be Eurovision um and we just would all go obviously if it's in San Marino I am going well I intend to go to like we've never been to an actual Eurovision very jealous that, that you've been um so we definitely need to get to one and if it's in San Marino oh my god that would be so good um I do have to admit though that I am a bit of a I'm a bit of a like I don't know if this is just me but I'm a bit of like a Eurovision purist in that I won't listen to any of the songs until it's the like the final show which is a mistake to make because you miss some I understand that um so I feel like I need to reassess my priorities and maybe get listening to some early on I hard agree with that yeah it will change your experience because you'll be so invested yeah absolutely yeah that would be really good and also if anything you know it lengthens the experience which is something I'm always keen to do so I don't know why I've I've done that to myself but um I yeah I'm gonna listen to that San Marino track after this um but that's a very good uh track of the week and perfect for for queer longing so very good one thanks for bringing that Liv what is yours this week um, this week, um, I've been feeling quite nostalgic. I don't know whether it's um, back to thinking about my formative years in Sheffield as well or what is going on with me, but um, I heard a really good remix, which I actually sent to you a couple of days ago, so I hope you enjoyed it too. And it is um, a Whitney Houston versus Weezer BYNX mashup. And it is amazing. So it's like sampling How Will I Know, but it makes it very like chill California vibes um it's so it's so good and I've just been listening to it over and over again it's not yet on Spotify but um we'll put it in the show notes and as usual we do a YouTube link anyway so you can listen to it there but um all the comments are just like Spotify 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 please so it will be on there soon I'm sure and so I really highly rate that and I've been enjoying that this week what about you Lucy yeah that is such a bop when you sent that to me I think I actually said to you is this your track of the week like I can always tell when it's going to be your track of the week um so my track of the week I also have been feeling nostalgic um and actually I knew we were going to be talking about Dempsey's so I decided to do a sort of deep dive into listening to um a bunch of like the old I mean I say a deep dive like I don't do it all the time but um, listening to all the tracks that we used to listen to when we went out um and uh uh, uh, miraculous no in a, in a weird twist of fate my uh ultimate Dempsey song which I think we'll all agree is uh, a Eurovision song and it could be no other than obviously Euphoria by yes. Lorene <laughs> <laughs> which we actually haven't had as a track of the week ever on this podcast so well uh, I thought it yeah I know I thought it was about time so uh that is my track of the week you cannot get more Dempsey's or more Eurovision than Lorene's Euphoria which is just well, well, euphoric for want of a better word. Were you in Dempsey's the night that she won with that song? So was I. Yes, <laughs> we were just about to, I was just about to ask you this because our mutual friend Bella was dressed in the Swedish flag and nothing else. Oh, yes, she was. She was doing the crab dance all around. <laughs> absolutely what what a night oh my god yeah I feel like somewhere in the back of my mind I thought you would have been there and I'm so glad that you were so we we shared that experience in Dempsey's which is very pleasing to know yeah (laughs) what a night but from um from music to film now so what I want to know is when is the film of the book coming out that's my first question and 
who would you like to see playing Ali and Jeremy if it were to be made into a feature length motion picture, which I absolutely think that it needs to be? Um, first of all, thank you. Um, I would love to know when the film is coming out. So <laughs> I'll let you know once I know. <laughs> um, that is such a hard question because I cannot picture them as anything other than the Ali and Jeremy that are in my head. Um, Someone said to me that um, Ali's dad should be played by Jim Broadbent, which made sense to me. Although I think he's a yeah. bit, slightly, potentially a bit old to play that role. But yeah. that vibe. He might be now, but but the exact right vibe, definitely. Yeah. A Jim Broadbent-esque yeah. character, definitely. We can, we can give him the like lighting that Cher got in Mamma Mia and it'll be absolutely oh. fine. Yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the lighting and the vibe, yes um I'm not sure what do you think can you think of anyone that would fit either of those characters I literally can't well, in, think of anyone. in my head for Jeremy I was imagining like um an English an English version of um you know Janice Ian's friend in Mean Girls oh yes that works very yeah. well so yeah. like that actor with like an English accent, I was imagining because um, he's such a good like physical um, physical comedian, and I can just really imagine him doing all the running bits and being like <gasps> and like eating sweets while he's on the half marathon and stuff. I thought would be would really be funny. Perfect. So he was in my mind's eye. I would need them to be queer actors as well, which like really limits the pool. Yeah. Oh God, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really, I always struggle to like answer these kind of questions about anything. I can never like think of people to be in in spots of like places and especially like I can imagine that must be really hard like as the actual creator of the characters you just have them in your head and it's like no that's who they are whoever that is <laughs> so whoever that is they need to play them <laughs> yeah that's, yeah exactly I was like I know I know who they are yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and it's a tall order as well to um not only get queer actors as we know um but also to get them to do a decent Sheffield accent that would be quite difficult I think yeah Definitely. Yeah, it's very specific, isn't it? Uh, people will say like a northern accent and I'm like, mm, mm-mm. Yeah, no. which, which one, hon? Which one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering, um, in terms of writing the book, uh, what sort of, um, what were your writing habits? I, I do, I dabble in a bit of writing. Um, I would never say I'm an actual writer yet, but you know, fingers crossed, maybe one day, who knows? But um, yeah, what, how did you Get, did you get to like a, a certain process with your writing? Did you have certain writing habits? Was there any sort of advice that you were given whilst you were writing it that really helped you? Um, and especially um, in terms of like writing your first novel and completing it. Um, yeah, well, give us a little bit about um, how, how, how you went about writing the book. So I am not very good at forming habits with writing. I wasn't anyway. And I used to do like huge long bursts. So I'd do it for like... I don't know, like three, four hours of just like solid writing. And then I wouldn't look at it again for two weeks. And then I'd panic and then I'd do it again. And I read somewhere or someone told me, I can't remember, that the best thing that you could do would be to set a timer for 10 minutes every single day. And whether you feel inspired or not, write for 10 minutes and then put it away. And if you have to delete it the next day, that's fine. But it's about the practice rather than like the like... um, the idea of writing so like you, I I don't know about you as a fellow writer but like you can occasionally get caught up in the idea of like 
feeling inspired by something or like the art and the creativity of it all and blah 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 it actually is just a case of physically sitting down and writing it um and you have to get into the practice of doing it whether you feel in that headspace or not and so like that was hugely helpful for me um I mean I could do with following some of that advice actually uh but it was hugely helpful to me but I was really lucky um I was part of the right now penguin program um me and nine other writers and illustrators so I had a mentor for a year um which obviously helped massively because I got deadlines um that I had to stick to and someone looking at the work that wasn't just me or my wife who would say really nice things but that's not very helpful um and that was invaluable so yeah yeah and there are a lot of those opportunities around actually to get sort of mentorships and stuff like that so yeah I've always um uh like looked at those and like I think it's like a really good way to get some sort of like for me I I I need well I'm working on um needing I I constantly need like some accountability for my my work or like so a mentorship is like the kind of thing that would absolutely work for me I am working on not needing the accountability apart from to myself which is you know it's you know hashtag growth we're all we're all getting there so (laughs) but I I do agree that um I'm really bad at forming habits as well especially with my with my like creative stuff so but the the getting over the idea of oh it has to, I, I when I write it must all flow from me and be the most amazing thing I've ever put down on paper or on uh, you know on a word or whatever um, but getting away from that and learn and realizing I've done this in the past maybe like 12 to 18 months I've realized that it, it isn't that it is literally just like you said it is just doing it it is just actually sitting down and doing it no matter what that looks like and the people who sort of succeed in being able to do uh, creative work are the people who just sit down and do it like <laughs> and yeah. um, having that realization is really like actually quite powerful to be able to then put back into uh, like your creative work so yeah no I, I completely agree with you that it, it is um it's uh, I, the 10 minute thing is really good. I'm going to start doing that. Um, I, I was doing, Oh God, what's it called? The thing where you do like 25 minutes of work and take a five minute break. Oh yeah. It's some I'm sort of thinking. technique, you know, thing, but the 10 minutes of writing a day sounds really good. I'm going to give that a go and uh, see how that goes for me. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I think like once you've taken like the romanticizing of the writing out of it, like it's, it just becomes, so um it's like as mundane as during any other task for 10 minutes and that's a really good thing definitely yeah, yeah. And, and and when when you do do that and when you do kind of your 10 minutes and you get into the practice of kind of getting out of your head and like maybe not overthinking it in the same way because you know you've got your 10 minutes so you're, you're going to write what you're going to write I wondered in the writing process and um, doing it that way was there anything that um kind of surprised you about the plot or about the characters did any of the journeys or um moments go in ways that you didn't expect in the end was there any um incidences of of that in the book um on the whole things went as I anticipated like I did have a plan for the book and so things didn't really change apart from um without you know any spoilers the ending which did change and I wasn't necessarily going to do what I did (laughs) in the end um but when I was working on that chapter I found that I couldn't quite put it away like I I knew that I I'd 
I had literally written the end um and then I was like uh like I, I that's not like it's not quite right like I kept like picking at it um until I changed something and then yeah that felt right so that was like the biggest thing that changed for me in terms of like something that I wasn't expecting interesting and was there was there a moment I mean I'm sure there's there's loads because obviously it's your it's your labor of love but was there a particular moment that you wrote that made you emotional I know there's a specific bit in the book that kind of got me a bit choked up so I wondered if if you had a particular moment that stood out to you in the book for that um there is a moment where um uh, there's a few moments with her dad but there's a moment with Ali and Jeremy when he's like going through like a bit of a shit time and she goes and sits in his room with him and they are so understated with each other because that's just the way you are if you're what happened Sheffield <laughs> like it's unlikely that you're going to be like really like I don't know like weeping all over each other or whatever but there's just like so much love there and they just take care of each other in this way where they both really understand what each other has gone through and like on every level like from childhood through coming out through everything and yeah that was emotional yeah no that that part is um is lovely um again the the friendship is is so clear I think yeah I I, that bit merely made me like miss my friends in the in that way that um obviously you know been keeping in touch virtually and stuff like that but um the the silences you can have with people when you are uh, together is something that just can't be recreated in a virtual way um or you know just the small things you say to each other if you're in the same room um and yeah that part made me uh, very much miss my friends but you know there, our time will come again i'm sure <laughs> well it will <laughs> yeah and i think i think that this book will really help um a lot of young people especially and um, like you say feel less alone with those moments between ali and jeremy where clearly um you know we get the impression that Jeremy struggles with mental health issues and how they support each other in this kind of understatedly really beautiful way. And um, I wanted to ask, although this book does focus on themes of heartache and obviously there's a, there's a breakup the book is called the split it's also really funny and light-hearted as well which I personally didn't find a lot in in queer literature growing up um, examples that spring to mind obviously like Jeanette Winterson, Sarah Waters who are brilliant amazing writers and were so formative for me growing up but their books are often sort of wrought with longing unfulfilled desires and restrictions around the ability to live an authentic life um, as, as a queer person so I wondered was it important to you that Ali's sexuality was always an accepted part of her character in in the book? Yeah I always wanted it to be um I don't want to say incidental because I, that makes it sound like not important, but I didn't want it to be like the focus. It, it isn't the most important part of her life and it's not what she was worried about during this time of her life. Um, she was worried about, you know, her girlfriend leaving her and her not having a job and like all of this, this other stuff that she was going through. Um, but it, at the same time, it was like incredibly important to me that I wrote about queer characters. I mean, it actually never occurred to me to write anything else. Like, I don't know how I would have written a straight character or a straight relationship because that wouldn't have come naturally to me at all. It would have been really odd. Um, but like, I feel the same about what I read when I was growing up. Like I read Jeanette Winterson and I read Sarah Waters, which was great. Um, but, you know, not necessarily 
something I could relate to for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, and I was reading stuff like um, Louise Renison's books, like Angus Thongs of Full Frontal Snogging, which is the funniest yeah. series of books maybe ever. And if those had been queer or had queer characters in, like that would have made my life. Like I, I just needed that so badly. Like for for it to be um, okay. And for there, and I, I'm sure there were books where there were queer characters, but they're always a sidekick, you know? Like there would be a gay best friend. I'm not sure that I can recall reading a lesbian best friend or a bi best friend or a trans best friend, <laughs> like just a male, like cis white best friend who is like very stereotypical and it just like is there to like prop up whatever the female character is doing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would love for people to read this, um, young queer people and be like, huh, like there's people just living their lives. Like that is what I was desperate for. Yeah, absolutely. We always talk about how um, we love to see ourselves, you know, queer people in all types of um, fiction, TV, etc. We, we want to be in the in the sad films. We want to be in, in the funny books. We want to be in everything. And um, yeah, no, your, your book really um, is one for, uh, you know, that new emerging, I would say, market of like fun, funny lit that is, um, you know, relatable and um like down to earth I would say as well it's just very like um it's just people living their lives and like you say her queerness is not the uh driving power behind her crisis and that is very uh you know sad sort of sad to say but it's very refreshing to see within literature so um yeah no uh absolutely love it so so pleased that um you were able to write this book and um I hope you write many more thanks me too I wanted to ask, I know obviously it's very annoying when people ask if um, characters are based on real people in your life. So I'm not going to ask that about the human characters. But what I am going to ask is, are Malcolm and Pat real? (laughs) That's what we need to know. Um, Pat is not real. Pat is just the figment of my imagination. And I wish that she was real. Malcolm um, is inspired by my cat, Arthur, who is horrible but I love him. (laughs) Like he's so, I can't even, I'm not sure that I could explain him even if like I had an hour to talk about him. He's very complicated and um, sort of, yeah, he has loads going on and we are so irritating to him. And, but if we're not here, he gets very upset. Like if there's any kind of upheaval, like he like, oh he's just a total nightmare basically and he's not nice like he won't sit with us or sit near us or like let us like touch him if he's not in the moon stuff like that um and so but like we're obsessed with him and you know (laughs) would do anything for him and I have always said because I'm a delight um that if we ever break up I'm taking Arthur because we have two and I'm like you can have the other one and I'll take (laughs) Arthur um and uh, yeah, so I, I knew that I wanted to write a, a like prominent animal character. Um, and Malcolm came very naturally because I was spending a lot of time with a horrible cat. <laughs> I feel like Arthur would be really great for our I don't agree with it segment. It sounds like he's quite cantankerous and would have a lot of things to contribute. Yeah, he's got loads on. <laughs> you should get him on next time. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll 
yeah failing failing Arthur's um appearance we wondered um obviously you know we do every week um a segment called I don't agree with it where we talk about things that we don't agree with and not to end things on a negative note we actually find there's a bit of catharsis involved in this Mm -hmm. process so we'd be very interested to know what is it that you don't agree with this week I don't agree with it okay so I thought a lot about this and it's it's a lockdown specific one because that's all all we're doing at the moment um it's about couples running together it I I just don't agree with it because and this isn't about like pairs of people running together fine couples specifically and there's something about it it doesn't feel right to me and it really winds me up so that's it that is a very good one. I, I, I really don't agree with not, I mean, running is, is the ultimate version of it, but I, I don't agree with a lot of couples I meet on walks out who simply do not understand how to get in single file. <laughs> just come yeah. on. There's a panny D. Can we just like get in single file? How difficult they is can't. it? They literally cannot. They have to either hold hands or like be like very close to holding hands. It's so frustrating. Yeah. I just don't understand how like you can not know okay here's someone coming along like the the pavement next to me oh obviously I'll just get in single file like it's gonna be for like one second can you just like it's not that deep just yeah. just pull back it's fine <laughs> really it's annoying. gonna be okay yeah yeah that is a very uh, good I don't agree with it and very um uh uh will be one for the ages because I feel like it's something we also don't agree with as well um so thank you for bringing that to the table and um, Olivia what do you not agree with this week well, I mean, I've had very few experiences this week other than my trip out this afternoon, to be honest. So what I don't agree with is um, people being mean to the genius bar people at Apple because the guy. Um, so I was in the queue to get my phone fixed and um, there was somebody else before me and they basically had to tell them that um, they couldn't fix their phone for whatever reason. And this guy kicked off. He was like pointing really aggressively, swearing at them. He told them you can keep the phone and then just like flounced off basically in a massive huff. And I got talking to the guy on the desk when it was my turn. And I was, um, I was like, oh, I hope this like interaction is like not as horrible as the last one and he was like oh yeah this is like loads better um people people do tend to get really stressed at at the moment and we're getting quite a lot of heat and um it's an interesting kind of like anthropological study about how I think that a lot of people are channeling all of their like negative pandemic energies into like this like talisman of, of a phone and if your phone is broken at this time it's like representative of basically like everything that's wrong with the world is basically what this guy at the genius bar was telling me. And I can so see that as a true, as a true thing. And, um, I was, I was sorry for him. So, um, I told him that, um, I was, I was sorry about it. And he was like, it's fine. It's part of the job. And I was like, it's not though. You don't need to have that. So thanks very much. Bye. Um, so yeah, I don't agree with that. We all need to, it's a stressful time, but just don't take it out on people who are, um, working in the Arndale and who definitely don't want to be working in the Arndale today, sorting out your phone because they would rather not, I'm very sure. So I absolutely don't agree with that in any form. So the end of my rant about that. 
Yeah, I think that the uh, the combination of uh, everyone's phones being incredibly important at the moment and the fact that customer service in a general way is where people do tend to sometimes vent their frustrations anyway is like a very, very toxic potion at the moment, which means that uh, I can imagine people are getting a lot more heat than they usually would do, which is, um, you know, it's, it's not very fair. And uh, I always think um, it's not that hard to be nice to customer service people, but you know, some people need to vent their frustrations, but maybe don't do it at the Genius Bar. Yeah, I agree with not agreeing with it. And what is your I don't agree with it this week, Lucy? Okay, well, okay. We have for one of the first times in our history and I don't agree with it update because um, last week I uh, went into the fact that I believed I had made our flat, uh, I think I described it as mouse zero, um, thinking that there were no more mice in the flat. Uh, And then, um, uh, you know, off the call, I think, oh, finally, I've got that off my chest. We've talked about, I've I've had the mice thing as my I don't agree, but I can check that off the list. That's absolutely done for, absolutely fine, whatever. And then Saturday night, we're watching watching a movie. um, uh, And uh, what happens? But a mouse appears in the kitchen not just appears, but literally saunters across the floor like it owns the place. And I could not believe it. I was so annoyed. And we're also watching John Carpenter's The Thing, which is like about a scary thing that just appears and like takes over your life. Um, And I couldn't believe it that there it was, as I live and breathe, The Thing was in my kitchen and it was a tiny little mouse. And I was so annoyed (laughs) because we've like plugged up, well, we thought we'd like plugged up most of the holes. And yet there it was. In my face again. And I and I was really annoyed because it was the night after we'd recorded the podcast. So I was like, I have tainted that. I have tainted that by this morning, this very morning, saying to you, oh, it's fine, though. They're all gone now. They can't get in the flat anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then here they are, just absolutely, just literally like it was out doing it shopping. Like it didn't, it wasn't even like scurrying, like it should be scared. There were like, there were three of us in the living room. It should have been like terrified, but no, absolutely fine. It just, uh, casually walked across the kitchen and then disappeared again behind the um behind the dishwasher so fuming to be uh to put it lightly and um i don't agree with it that i now just live under the reign of a mouse terrorizing me at any point it wants to <laughs> you need um an arthur or a malcolm to come take care of business we do we've never seen a mouse in any of the flats that we've lived in when we've had arthur and daff yeah that would be really good I um yeah we, we used to have a family cat at my parents house and you would never see uh it was we live sort of in the countryside and she would constantly catch things but at least she was catching them and putting them in shoes which was quite funny as opposed to you know just finding one in the middle of the kitchen <laughs> so um yeah I, I don't agree with it but here we are you know uh we I live to you know breathe another day under the, the this this I'm gonna have to as I said to you earlier I'm gonna have to put them on my census so you know, <laughs> fine whatever <laughs> I'll do it I'll do it if I have to it's, it's illegal <laughs> mandatory but you know I won't be happy about it <laughs> and for the first time you can mark them as LGBT according That's to their fine. preference I don't know these mice so yeah well yeah I'll have to ask them or get of them course. to fill out their own their yeah. own part for that one but um I, I will be sure to make sure that I put down their uh, their preference correct because I, I would I wouldn't be one to skew the data no uh, what a raft if I don't agree with it so that was perfect love that so much um so before we uh close out today um I was just wondering is there anything apart from detransition baby that you're reading at the moment that you would like to recommend to our listeners 
Oh, I just finished a book called Luster by Raven Leilani, which was amazing. Really, really good. Um, I also read a book called Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe, which is a really great queer YA book set in San Francisco in the 1950s about a Chinese-American girl coming out. Um, It's really good. Um, I think those are the two best books I've read recently. Oh yeah, that one sounds great. I haven't heard of that one. I've I've seen a lot of people reading Luster, so that's definitely yeah. on my list. But the second one I haven't heard of, so I'll be really excited to to give that a try. Um, but thank you so so much for joining us for our um, evening ramblings, Laura Kay. Um, we really appreciate you joining us. And we wanted to ask you: Is there anything else that you would like to plug? And where can people find you um, to learn more about you and your writing? So I'm on Twitter at Laura Eliza K. I'm on Instagram at Laura E. K. And if you go on my Twitter, my pinned tweet has got like a little list of events that I'm doing after the publication of my book. Um, and yeah, I'll be doing all of those. I think I've got an event at Blocks Books, which is my local bookshop in Leighton on the 23rd of March in the evening. And it would be really great if people could come and join us for that. You get a copy of the book for the price of your ticket. And yeah, it's going to be a fun night. (laughs) Oh, it's very exciting. The split is out in hardback tomorrow, which is March the 18th. So please, please go and buy this book. Laura Kay, thank you so, so much for joining us on Queer Longing. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. We've really enjoyed that. I had such a great chat. Um, so if you want to get in contact with us at any point, you can do we are queerlonging at gmail.com if you want to email us. We're at queerlonging on Instagram and Twitter, and we absolutely love to hear from you. As we've been saying over the past couple of weeks, we're now available on Anchor, uh, anchor.fm slash queerlonging, which is our new hosting platform. And you can go on there and you can leave us a little voice note if you want to, which we would love to hear. And maybe you too will be part of the podcast. So So one more time, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. And whilst we all um, go and read the split, we will be loving you, leaving you and longing for you until next time. Bye. Bye. So whilst we, um, uh, let me do that again. (laughs) I just, I have literally, I'm so tired. I've been working so much today and I'm like oh my brain is gone right okay a working woman <laughs> working woman living under the tyranny of a mouse I just I can't I can't go on but it's fine okay uh, uh, uh.